as our heads are bowed. Heavenly Father, in this presence and in this atmosphere, we come to you as your children, and you are our Father. And we've been called by your grace, by your great love, when you saw us and you ordained that we should live this hour and that there would be something within us that would respond to your call. How thankful we are this evening, Lord. Father, while we're here tonight in the midst of Laodicea, an age that when a prophet would look through time, all he would see was darkness beyond 1977. Father, we're living in that darkness, but Lord, we know there's a light that we're walking in, and you're that light around us. Oh, God, don't ever take that light from us. And tonight, while we're here in your presence, we invite you. Lord, may you just hover over us. May your great sovereign spirit, Lord, just take this meeting into your hands. Lord, it's not in the preacher's hands. It's not in anybody else's hands, but it's in your hands. And Lord, we're asking that you will now take everything under your control and that, Lord, you will dispel the working of the enemy. You will give faith to your people and that you will strengthen us and teach us your ways. Strengthen our homes, our marriages, Lord, strengthen our lives before you. May we begin to be that army, Lord, that, that is marching in unison. And Lord, with every home and every household. Father, we know the enemy is working, but greater is he that is in us. Father, we're asking your anointing, your blessing. We're remembering in the many miles away the Kamwati family. Lord, just be a great comfort to that family, to our brother Obadiah. We're also remembering in a hospital room our sister Erna McCormack. Lord, would you just come by that way? Lord, would your presence be known? And Father, would you also just touch her body? Whatever it is that's causing the vomiting, whatever's causing it, whatever it may be, Lord, you said none of these plagues would come nigh unto us. Father, we know we're living in such a time as that. But, oh God, the blood of Jesus is greater than all these things. Now, as we open your word, would you just anoint it? Take us into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for all the music and singing. Thank you, Brother Marion. Let's go directly to Isaiah 59, and we'll also read in Isaiah 54. Isaiah 59, this will be the third service in a row. Somebody's read this, but I believe the Lord ordained that to be so. In verse 19, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, My Spirit that is upon thee, 
And my words, which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, or out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Back in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 16. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the waster to destroy. Think about that, that there is a devil that's out there. He's doing things, he's going about, but it's only going to magnify the plan of God. And we're a part of that. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. What a wonderful scripture. God bless you. You may have your seats. We'll go directly to the PowerPoint. We'll go directly into the service. It's maybe not so much of a preaching, but if I do get excited and preach a little bit, thank the Lord for it. And, uh, and I, I, I really have felt that I just want to be a little bit methodical in the approach. That's why I'm using the PowerPoint. And I, I just trust that we can plant some seeds that will help us and that we can use some wisdom in, in, in our lives and in our homes, and that'll make us overcomers. We're going to follow through from this morning, so I'm going to just read this. You can turn the lights, and, and I don't mind if you leave it like that uh, for the service. I'm good with that. I don't need to be seen. And uh, let's just, just read this. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. I'll, I'll just make a comment here. You might say, and, and, and you know, we, we are grateful for where we are in the message. I, I wish, as, as was expressed to me earlier today, that we would have had this many, many years ago. But, you know, it was God in his mercy that allowed us to learn and to grow and to take step by step. And, and I would like to say it this way. I said, I don't believe our love has changed. I believe our love for our wives and our children and our families is still the same. But I, I would like to say that maybe the methods and the things that God has revealed to us, those are greater. And, and we can walk in that. And I, I'm grateful for that. And so you might say, well, we're here, the coming of the Lord. What use is it to do? Keep sowing. Keep doing the same thing. Keep laying a foundation. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that the, the reaper will one day overtake the sower. And so whatever you sow, it'll come back to you. Give, cast your bread on the waters. You're going to find it after many days. Keep sowing. 
I've made many mistakes. So have I. Keep sowing good seeds. Keep doing the right thing. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit or how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who makes all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether thou shalt prosper, either this or that, or whether they both alike shall be good. So we came home this afternoon, and we sat in a room with a bunch of young men that were at our house, and I just want to compliment them. There was pillows on every couch, and they never picked it up once to throw it. So God bless those young men for the restraint that they showed. Uh, a brother texted me after the service. He said, you know, you talked about the pillow fight, and then you went later and you went to Jacob, who used stones for a pillow. What kind of a pillow fight did they have in his house? Yeah, right. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Psalms 127, we read this this morning. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I believe we're starting to see that scripture be fulfilled. I watched our young people's service, and I watched young children that used to be children are beginning to speak. And they're not just beginning to speak just out of form, but they're speaking with a spiritual background to them. God bless you all for your attendance and for your diligence and for your giving to, to the contributing to the work in, in our young people's meetings. Psalms 128, this follows right 127. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. You shall eat the labor of your hands. Happy shall you be, it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of your house. Your children like olive plants around the table. How does this all happen? By starting with verse 1. Blessed is the one that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Verse 4. Behold, thus shall be the man that... Be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord will bless thee out of Zion. You shall see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, you shall see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Now, we don't have our whole uh, church here, but I, I was wondering if you could do something for me. How many of you are here today because your parents have witnessed the message to you? Can you raise your hands? How many are here because some family member has, has witnessed something to you or in somebody, some relative, somebody you know? Can you raise your hand? Just lift them up. Come on, Brother Andrew. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I'm going to make you stand if you don't, if you don't participate better here. I, okay, I'm going to ask you all to stand. If God has used some family member or family, stand up, please. Just do that for me, please. Now, Brother Brandon would say, a child raised up in the right home has a 97% chance 
of turning out better than one that doesn't. Thank you for participating. You may be seated. And all of you that participated at home, God bless you. And those that didn't, God bless you anyway. Okay, so I, I, I would say it this way. Now, there are some here, and I, I, I was ministering this morning, and I thought of some of you that didn't have that. And I say, my, God bless you. You've come a longer ways than some, some others have come. So we, 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 we thank that. But there, there's something that's passed on, and I, I want to come to it. Now, the world around us is changing, and its system of values. And whether we realize it, we are affected by it. You're affected by what you see people wearing. You're affected by the attitudes of lifestyle. You're affected by the workplace and, and, and the economic system. You're affected by, by, the, by the people that you associate with. And these things are not necessarily founded on the correct principles. Thereby, we always need to go back to the Word of God. That is our foundation. That is what will endure. Heavens and earth will pass away, but His Word will never endure. Brother Bannon would say this in Choosing of a Bride. And I, I, you can type in modern thinking into the message. And I, know I will call it this, modern thinking. I'm just using a couple examples. I'm not much of this modernistic taste of women working. I've seen these women with these uniforms on riding around the city on motorcycles as a police. It's a disgrace that any city will let a woman do that. Wow. Go and repeat that in your workplace tomorrow and see what kind of reaction you get. I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. The world is celebrating right now because theoretically a woman has attained to the White House. And I will tell you that that will only increase this what is happening. It will only make it more palatable. It will only make it more acceptable. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying we as believers are going to live in a world that has that happening. And I'll say this, we need to draw your influence from somewhere else. You can't be looking at that. You've got to be looking at the Word of God. And we've had the restoration of the Word. Now there's a pressure economically for our sisters to be working. But that is not your God-given place. Now I'm not saying you can't take a job to help, a part-time job. But if it's taking away from family, from raising children, and taking care of a household, I say you need to seek God for it. Because that is not God's desire for you. Okay, I'm thankful for a few amens there. God bless you for that. Now, Brother Bam says, it's the modern thinking of the city. It shows degrading. We don't have to have them women out there like that. They don't got no business like that. When God gave a man a wife, he gave him the best thing he could give him outside of salvation. But when one goes trying to take a man's place, she's about the worst thing that he could get a hold of. Now that's modern thinking. The prophet's identifying it versus the word of God. <coughs> thinking man's filter. And I, I'm, I'm sorry if these... Uh, there's a part in the end here that talks to the brothers, but let me just deal with this. Women, just pass your modern thinking of dress. I, I'm using this for a reason, not saying that the standard isn't there, but what is influenced sometimes is the form. 
the shape. And, and you talk about Brother Branham, he will talk about wearing clothes that, that are tight and sticky and that accentuate the, the feminine form. He says, be careful of the spirit that is on you. Be careful where you're drawing your inspiration. And I, I'm saying this, we need to be washed by the water of the word. Ministers need to be washed. Brothers need to be washed. Sisters need to be washed. Young people need to be washed. And, and, and you can't, and I would say this, if you're a young person, don't look at as old people as being old fogies and having a different standard and, they, and make fun of it because there's a dangerous ground there. I believe this message has caused us to be not just young people and old people, but I believe it's caused us to come into an image God has for us. So he says, pass your modern thinking before you go on the street, you young women, you old women. Before you go out on the street with your clothes so tight, pushed out in the back and in the front. Now, I'm not critical. I'm your brother. I stand between the living and the dead, and I realize what I'm saying. Oh, this is the voice of God. Before you enter out and know your body is a sacred order or a sacred taste uh, that, that, I'm not seeing, a sacred caste that God has given you, before you enter the street dressed like that, pass your mind through a thinking woman's filter. Now, he speaks that to the sisters, and I'm sorry, I only got the one paragraph for the brothers. And brothers... Before you turn your head to look at her, now, on the second glance, the first glance, sometimes it'll just catch you unawares. The second glance. Pass your mind through a thinking man's filter. You'll come out with a holy man's taste. Now, I use those two. Let me go into some things here. The world's definition of a family a traditional family is a family structure that consists of a man, a woman, and one or two, one or more biological or adopted children. In most traditional families, the man and woman are husband and wife. Now listen to these stats. The percentage of traditional families in the U.S. has steadily declined over the past 40 years. In 1970, traditional families accounted for 40% of U.S. households. By 1990, the percentage had declined to 25.6. In 2010, they estimate only 20% of all U U households were traditional families. Another term used to refer to the traditional family is a nuclear family. So let me just give you some examples. Non-traditional families in society, now not in God's word, you won't find this in God's word, but in society, they co include cohabitation families or unwed couple, couples who live in the same household. There's also single parent families, which consist of one parent and one or more biological or adopted children, or there's extended families, which consist of two or more adults from different generations of the same family, and lastly, only in Sodom is there same-sex families, which consist of couples of the same sex with one or more children. This is the world that we live in, and I'm saying the traditional family is under attack, and if you don't think it's under attack, I'm going to read something to you. Uh, I'm going to start with this. This is out of a magazine. Marriage, even in minds of most Christians, is now perceived as a capstone that marks a successful young adult life. 
Not the foundational hallmark of entry into adulthood. It used to be that someone would want to get, grow up to be an adult and get married. But now it's not just that. He says it's a moment in time, a foundation, whatever it's building on. It's, it's, he said it's a, in, the foundational vig- being, in the foundational vision, being newly married and poor was common, expected, difficult, but often temporary. You grew together. You worked together. One gave something, the other gave something, and, and it was a something, and God would bless that. In the capstone standard, and I'm not saying this is not the message capstone, being poor is a sign that you're not marriage material yet. I'm saying this is thinking that comes in. Now, I, I, I need to qualify that. That's why if you're a young man, you need to be looking ahead. Don't be investing all of your money into the mag wheels on your car, into all the spoilers and into the, you know, all of the things on your car when you could be laying ahead for something. Oh, I got to get married. Ah, I got to sell my mag wheels. Yes, you do. Okay. So I'm just saying you move towards it. But on the other hand, let me just follow this through. This is, this is Pentecostal people. This is actually out of, out of Africa. A 28-year-old unmarried Pentecostal from Lagos was clear about the conditions under which she would marry. When I have everything I want and when I'm able to achieve everything I want to achieve for myself, then I will get married. Okay. That's a definition of a career woman. That's a definition of somebody who wants their own thing and they don't want to give it to God. Now, when you give to God, you also may give to an individual that God gives you. Another 24-year-old unmarried woman from Lagos said, Oh, please, she said, laughing. I can't marry and suffer. Well, I won't go into that one. Okay. As we wring our hands over the flight from marriage, and one insight that hasn't received attention is that fewer and fewer people are interested in participating what marriage actually is. Most people marry with affection, as you should. Marriage, when you observe it across time and plan, concerns a mutual provision and transfer of resources within a formalized, not just sexual union, but a formalized union. That may sound old-fashioned, but it's not untrue. Matrimony has long been dependent on an exchange based on inequalities between the spouses. He needs what she has. And vice versa. He needs somebody to do his laundry. He needs somebody to dust his cabinets. He needs somebody to make his bed. Well, I hope it's a whole lot more than that. She needs somebody to be a man. She needs somebody to make his bed. She needs somebody to do his own laundry once in a while. Okay, I just need to bring in. But there's something that is both brought to the table. I I remember when I got uh, married and, you know, I, I... I, I was single for many years, and, and uh, people would begin to comment on what I was wearing, my ties or my blazers, my glasses. Wow, where did that come from? I said, what do you mean by that? Well, you never dressed like that when you weren't married. Uh-huh. There was some good influences. So you know what? Everybody brings something to the table. Now, I'm just using a natural thing just to keep you all smiling for now. Okay? Now, this is a statement out of a well-known movement in this time. 
and it's gained a lot of traction, and it has to do with what's called Black Lives Matter. And so a statement that is out of their very uh, ideology is this. This is a paragraph out of it. We disrupt, by the way, I need to say all lives matter. And, and, and not, I, I want to just say, the, I want to qualify it. White is also a color. Okay? So not just, you know, everybody's got a color. Okay? So let's just leave it there. Okay? We, this is, this is the movement. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family distru- structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. They actually pulled the most uh, damning part of this off of there after much because they supported the, some of the founders and the movements behind it are, are gay, are, are transgender, are in these things, and they're heavily promoting that. So before you jump on the bandwagon, be careful what you're supporting. So they changed it around a little bit, and then they said, we actually have an ideological framework. And they said, we are trained Marxists. So Marxist was the guy who is uh, the founder uh, of, of the movement, of, of um, the communist movement, etc. But he says, we're based on the same ideological theory. So those theories were this. Marx proceeded to compare the nuclear family to public prostitution. And you watch what happened in Russia and what he did in Russia. Before explaining, it was natural and desirable for that institution to vanish. The bourgeois family will vanish as a matter of course when its complement vanishes and both will vanish with the vanishing capital. And it says, he goes on to read it. He says, the hallowed correlation of parents and child becomes all the more disgusting by the action of modern society or industry. All the family ties are proletarians. Their children are simply transformed into simple articles of commerce and instruments of labor. I, I, I mean, I felt like that at times. I can say that. But it's more than that. But this is their ideology. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a spirit in the land that's against what we believe in. There's a spirit against a mother and a father standing together, working in a household together, raising their children. There's a spirit amongst educators that says, you need to be not listening to just your parents, but to what society will give you. And I'll say it, it's demonic inspired. That's the world that's around us. It's got nothing to do with the values of God anymore. And you need to be on guard for that. Because your children are going to encounter it at school. Friends, the government of Alberta in the previous regime had come in and made it. Now, if the children went into a sexual education course, they were not required to tell the parents anymore. And if they had any thoughts towards any other gender, you know, being homosexual, if they, they were required not to tell the parents for fear of abuse and reprisals. I mean, how is that promoting family? This is the world around us. Let's not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, I, I, I said all of that and I started. Now, let, let me go to something that, that sounds more normal. Genesis 2, God's word does never change. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. 
So there's a unity God is wanting to bring. Ephesians 5, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That doesn't mean just cohabitating, each having their own life. That's, that's the way of the world. You know, I, I'll do my job, you do your job, and I'll do this. No, no, that is not God's order. God's order is to commit yourself to the family unit, and as you commit yourself to the family unit, your position, you are going to see the blessing of God come upon you. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. I can relax when I read this, and I can give myself to this. Ephesians 5, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. For all you guys who like to, there, stand in front of the mirror and comb your hair and make sure everything's right, now you got to love your wife the same way. Got that? Yeah, Wonderful. Yeah, Brother Ed, thanks, thanks. He, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man has ever yet hated his own flesh and nourisheth and cherisheth even as the Lord. We are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. And again, he repeats what's in Genesis. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery I speak concerning Christ and the church. A family that's in order and working this way is actually a portrait of God. It's a portrait of what God is doing with his many-membered family. He's Jehovah who exists. Jehovah meaning one who exists with family. He can never leave his family. He lives for them. He breathes for them. He does everything for them. <coughs> I wanna, I'm just making some things before, I, some, some statements as I move in here. Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7. Never, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every man have her, every woman Sorry, have her own husband. I'm going too fast. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. And likewise also the wife unto the husband. Now here's, here's an interesting thing. The wife does not have power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. That's what Brother Harold's talking about. Being accountable. You're accountable to your home. You're accountable to your position. You know, both to your mate, but also to your children. You, you've got to give yourself to that. Now, let me, let me take, take some thoughts here. Christian family, and, and you can view it this way, and I, I'd like to say it this way. You look at your home, and sometimes... You know, you get different personalities. You get a, a wife that's got one personality, a husband that's got another. And sometimes that's viewed as a liability. You say, she doesn't do it like I do it. Maybe you got something to learn. He doesn't do it the way I want to do it. Maybe you got something to learn. Sometimes if you can turn it around, what does he, what does she bring to the table that contributes to your well-being? Whenever you get feeling too far, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't like the way this happened. I don't like the, you know, and there's all, we all have our little quirks. I have mine. Every one of us has ours. And instead of viewing it as a liability and getting irritated over and saying, hold on a second, what does she bring to my life? What does he bring to my life? There, I got comfort. I, I got clean clothes. I got, I got a lunch made. I've I got different things. I, I, I can come home and I, I, I can talk and we can be free and we don't have to worry about We can be given to each other. 
So don't view it as a liability. You've got to view it as an asset. And if you don't see it right away, God will bring it to that. So man, that's one amen. Thank you. God bless you. There's one brother who's already on the victorious road. Wow, wonderful. My, oh my. I, I got to get everybody to stand up again or something. Or maybe I got to turn the lights on and look at you all a little closer. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm just bringing an outline. I'm not going to touch all of these things. You know, there's a family legal system. We've all got something to do. We've all got a role to fill. We've all got to do our duty. We've all got to fill, do these things. That's all a part of it. But a big part of it that we sometimes miss is, you know, we always point, you know, we get the union mentality. You know, your job description requires you to do this and this and this, and you haven't done this and this for a while. You know, and then instead of working on the relationship part, and the relationship part is to uplift and to support. And, and you know, I, I know you're busy. And you know what? You'll get to it when you get to it. I'll tell you what. That makes things a lot easier than, than scrutinizing, you know, the job description and putting check marks every night when you go to bed. You know, yeah, you didn't do this today. and you didn't. Listen, build the relationship. Those things will happen. And I'll tell you what. It'll actually go beyond the check marks. Other things will happen when you build a relationship, when you take time for one another, when you take time with your children. There's things that happen. I, 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 Brother Andrew was over at our place, and he had a son the other day, and, and uh, he was with us a good part of the afternoon helping us with something at the house, and, and uh, his son was there, and we enjoyed it. You know, we, I had a great ping pong game with him, you know, and, and while Brother Andrew was working, it was a good excuse for me not to have to help him. But the ping pong was going this way, and then we had the Nerf bullets going, and then we had the Lego going, and we had things going. I'll tell you what, you build a relationship. That, that's, that, that just was kind of fun to do, you know. And my boys don't do it anymore, and so I, I have fun to, somebody to do it with. And Anyway, but it, it, you got to work on those things. It's okay. Listen, I'm going to keep going quickly. I'm not going to keep you long. I'll just keep moving. I'm, I'm giving you a few things. I'm throwing some things out there. But I want you just to hear what we're going. Proverbs 24, we read this this morning. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with precious and pleasant riches. It's sometimes good just to be able to understand the riches and the assets and the things that you have in your home. If, if you would look at, at, at the wife that God gave you, and I, 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 I listen, I, you, you can look at it this way if you want and say, I, I, there's, a, there's a place that I drive by every, mor every morning, and they always have a billboard sign, and, and the one that's one morning said, uh, <coughs> if you're, if you're uh, I, I, gotta, I hope I can say it right, it's about questioning your wife's no, if, if your wife questions your decisions, all you have to do is say, well, you married me. You know, and so, and, 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 but there's always a sign. There's always something there. So you, by the leadership of the Holy Ghost, you can be thankful for a mate that's in glory if you've given it to God. I'm thankful every day I, I, I look at it. I, I know my wife loves the message. I know she loves the Lord. And I'll tell you what, you can't put a price on that. You, and, and I'll tell you what, all the other things come follow that, and I'll just say that I thank God for that. Now with your children, you can't pick your children, unfortunately. And sometimes you get what you get, and 
You know, it's kind of tough sometimes. And, uh, you know, you, you wish, you know, if you could pick them, you'd, you'd pick one that could skate like Connor McDavid and could earn a lot of money and help you in your retirement, but you can't pick them, okay? And, and sometimes you get things that you didn't expect, but you got to work with those things. Hey, where's your family when they hear, hear that amen, you know? <laughs> you know, and, and, and so you got to work with what is given, and you got to say, oh, God, thank you. You know, sometimes, why in the world did I, you know, you know but be thank God, and you love them for who they are. And so, you, you know, you, you get what you get, and then that's what it is. But there's riches there. And sometimes it, it, it reveals itself in wonderful ways. You know, as you get older, you don't have to go and shovel the snow. You just use the, you know, the snowblower, which is sometimes your son with, with two legs and a, and a shovel. It's a good snowblower. Uh, you know, you got command start. Command your son and he'll go start your car. You got all kinds of things. There's all kinds of riches that are there and that you don't know about, but they're there. Uh, those are just a few on, on the other side, but... Now, let me read this. This is kind of interesting because we got to use wisdom. Through wisdom, a house is built. <coughs> this is an interesting scripture. David, this is in Samuel chapter 30 when David had a battle. David came with 200 men. They were so faint, they could not follow David. This is when David's um, wives and, and, his, and his flocks and everything was taken by the Philistines. And they came to the brook Besser and they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. David came and he saluted him. And they had gone to the battle. There were some men that were so weary they couldn't go to the battle. And, and when David came back with the wives and with all the goods and with everything that was there and they came back, then there were some men that had gone in the battle with David and they said, these wicked men of Belial, they did not go with David. He says, and, and it says in verse 22, because they have not went with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that they have recovered, save to every man his wife and children, and that they may lead them away and depart. So the men who are doing this were doing this carnally. So sometimes within a home, you know, you, you get the oldest one, you know, they, the oldest one gets to experience you uh, as your first um, trying your hand at parenthood. And, and then the second one gets a little more experience than the third one. And so sometimes the saying goes, you never did that to me when I was young. That's not fair. Do you ever hear that? Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, I'm sure some of you have heard it. But look at, look at how David does things. So, but you have different personalities. You have different people in your household. There's different makeups. And you work with their makeups. You know, you know, I know enough that if I'm going to, if I need something fixed on, on my automobile, I know which son I'm sending out to fix it. If I need something clean, I know which one's going to do it. You know, and, and I, I, I work with those things as they're there. And so does God in his great economy. He knows who to send. He's got, he, we've got an array of deacons that are some that are, are a certain nature and some that are this way. But God picks them and, you know, maybe sometimes one of them goes and does something and, and wins a victory for, this is what happened here with David. They win a victory and they come back and, you know, and, and, and we win, win a victory. These men said, hey, we fought the battle. We did all this work. You don't deserve anything. Now watch David like a, a father. With wisdom. And David said, No, my brethren, you shall not do this. What the Lord has given us, He's preserved us. He's delivered the company that came against us in our hand. Who will hearken unto you in this matter? 
He whose part that goes down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarried by the stuff, the goods. They shall be alike. Can I say something? This church and its mission field, we've had brothers go out. Brother Andrew and Brother Harold did it for years. And I'll say this, you can equate that with Brother Harold, but I'll say this, everyone that prayed, everyone that gave has the same reward as much as the one that was sent. And I'll say, that's God's economy. And I say this, do your prayers matter? Absolutely. You'll get a reward with it. Does your giving matter? Absolutely. You'll get a reward with it. The person that goes, they don't, shouldn't have all the glory. They went because God called them. They're part of it. But we're all working together. Friends, the brethren that gather in prayer, they do something that other people can't do. People, God has different people of all different likes. But David here, he's using his wisdom, and he says, and so it was from that day forward that he made a statue and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. You actually could see it in its making when the tribes went to possess the Jordan. There was two tribes that had their inheritance on the other side. Moses told them, and he said, you cross the, uh, the Jordan with us, you fight with your brethren, and then you can go back to your inheritance. Because you know, maybe some of them said, I, I don't want to fight the Philistines and the Canaanites and everybody. But I'll tell you what, they had a part of it. Is this okay? Listen, I've got, I got to move along quicker here. <coughs> James chapter 3. Now, there is a wisdom you can find. You, you can go to bookstores and you can find all kinds of, I'll, I'll tell you what, Christian bookstores, I, I used to go into them all the time and I would go and look at the Bibles. My wife says, she, you know, she still sees me. I go and look at the Bibles and what's new. And I, I used to read autobiographies, but I'll tell you what, the selection has gotten so thin down. There's hardly anything to look at anymore. And so, you know, and you, you can find many self-help books by many authors and many things. And, and if you would go back, it's, it's a lot of psychology. It's a lot of people who are just trying to sell a book and make some money. It's, it's a lot of different things. You can find it. But there is a wisdom that comes from God. If you actually look at the, the spiritual gifts, the first one is wisdom. The first one that was given. Wisdom, then knowledge. So James is talking about a wisdom that you would get from, you know, getting a source outside or getting something. And he says, there's a wisdom that comes and it's just intellectual, it's carnal. He says, but it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. But where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now he makes this statement. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. I'll tell you what, I can have confidence in any time Brother Andrew, you and I were talking about this the other day. You, you, and I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything against any brother minister. You can listen to a lot of websites. You can listen to a lot of ministers minister, and there's some wonderful services, and we thank God for every sermon. But it's not often we go back and listen a second time to a service. It's not often you go back a third time and listen to it. But I'll tell you about the message of the hour and the messenger that's been given, and the inspiration he was given, you can go back time and time and time again because that wisdom came from above. That didn't come from the roots of Kentucky. That didn't come from, from some seventh grade education. That came from God. And that wisdom you can trust in. That is pure. That is unadulterated. That 
brought us back to the Bible. That you can feed on. That you can trust in. That you can bank on. And I'll say the devil tries to undermine it or make something more alluring or something more attractive. I say this, develop a feeding that you continually come to and that you feed on that message. It will do you good. It's pure. It's peaceable. I'll tell you what. There's a spirit that goes with it that's wonderful. And, and, and you might wonder about certain things that are said and different things, but I'll tell you what, you, you, tr- you can trust on it. And I'll tell you what, when he went beyond the curtain of time and, and they asked him, he says, will we be judged? Yes, as, as I'm judged. And then, we're resting on that. I'm resting on that. But the wisdom is, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom from above. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Jude would say, we need to preach the full counsel of God. That's why you don't, we don't just preach salvation. That's why we don't just preach mysteries. That's why we actually take services like this or next weekend where we take time to establish and we take time that we can grow and get our roots down and follow the principles of God. Uh, there's a time for it. You know, you, you, can, you need to pray, you need to study, you need, you know what, I, I can't ever get away from that quote from Spurgeon when I heard it, because he would ask the question and he would say, somebody said, what's more important, reading, is it reading and studying or is it praying? And he says, well, when you breathe, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Yeah, well, both are important. And I'll tell you what, there's times that I, I don't, maybe I can't pray, but I'll read or I'll hear, and it leads me to pray. And there's times I pray, and it leads me to read. It, it, the two go hand in hand. So it's all the scriptures given that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil, hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So I, I love reading the book of Proverbs. Sometimes I'll just pick it up on a Saturday morning and just I'll pick up a little verse and I'll just dwell on those, like... You, you can read seven verses, and, and Solomon has such concise thoughts and things. But it says a prudent man. So who's a prudent man? Somebody that's shrewd, that's sensible, that, that, that can see afar off. You know, that sees the evil, and he hides himself, you know. And, and so he, he recognizes there's things that are coming, and he takes measures to protect himself. Somebody who sees there's these influences coming, let's deal with it. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's, let, let's guard against it. Let's take things. Or, or there's going to be this. I, I think there's some, some, some of that's required in every home. Are, are we here? Are we all good? Other Proverbs. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son. But he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Sometimes it's good to be careful about who your friends are. And there's nothing wrong with asking your mom or your dad. You know, I, I, I was, uh, I, I mean, my parents were divorced, and when I came to the Lord, it was just, I was already older, and, and, uh, and I remember I was, I was really dealing with a separation from the world, and, and I was struggling with some things, and 
I remember it was a New Year's and, or at Christmas, and I, I always went with some friends, and my mom said, well, you know, and I was struggling with it, and she could see it, and she says, you know, if, if you need to, like, just go with them. You don't need to drink, you know, and, and it was just, yeah, I did that, and I knew halfway through the night that I didn't belong there, and, and you know what? That made my decision for me. Whoso robs his mother or his father and saith it is no transgression, the same as a companion of a destroyer. How, how, how do you do that? When you, when you do something that you know that hurts them, that takes away from them, and say, ah, it, it's okay, I'm, I'm the son, I can get away with that, or I'm the daughter, I can get away from that. No, you can't. It hurts them. You're a companion of a destroyer. That God has a hierarchy of respect for parents and children, and that needs to be followed through. You want to prosper? Honor your mother and father. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoices his father. He that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. These are just little things. This is in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now there's a, there's a principle. If you just take that, <laughs> I know there's a parable of the unjust judge and you know, you're knocking at the door and you finally get it, but but this is actually different. This is Jesus speaking as, you know, he's speaking as, as the God who gives to his children. And, and so he's saying, do you, do you want to walk in a good way? Do you want to uh, understand the right way? He says, then ask me and it'll be given to you. But it's not like begging. It's not like I, I, I got to climb, I got to do some penance to get this and, you know, he'll give it to me. No, he actually brings this analogy this way. And he says, if a son asks bread of a father. So it's a natural thing. Hey, dad, I'm hungry. Can we stop at McDonald's? Yeah, that's a natural thing if you're driving out and about. But if you're hungry, you know, you know it's natural for when you, when you come in the house and mom says, are you hungry? It's natural for mothers to do that. He says, so if you ask bread, you know, and you ask for bread, you know, and, and, and will you give him a stone? No, no, you're going to give him the good thing. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a fish? So he's likening this to asking. There's nothing wrong. And, and Brother Bannon would say, you have a test tomorrow. Ask your mom and dad. Get around the table. Pray together. And you watch God come on the scene. I wasn't serving God, but I knew that principle. And I, I, I wasn't serving. I was in high school. I was wayward. I wasn't running. But I would tell my mom as I walked out the door, and I, you know, I had to swallow a bit of pride when I did it. I said, hey, Mom, I got a test today. Okay, I'll pray. And I knew she would. And I had faith in that. Why? Because she cared. And I, and I could sense that it came. So does God care. He, he wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well. You ask him. So you can come to him. With, with, with an open heart and ask him. And he says, if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now he would make this statement, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I, this, this is such a great thing that the devil would hold over you. The fear of the unknown. What will the Holy Ghost, what will I have to give up? What will I, oh... And when you actually get over there, you wonder why you ever put it off. You wonder why you didn't give yourself earlier. So if you want, you know, it can happen even in this meeting. You can raise your hand and say, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something about the Friday night service we had here? 
we had a song service. We had a sword drill. We had a good ministry. Brother Andrew closed. There were some services. Everybody went to their seats. They sat down. One person came up and wanted prayer. And after that person, and then another one. And then God moved on two others. And God moved on two others. And you know what that translated into? Another two or three hours in the presence of God. How did it happen? Just by being open with God. Oh, friends, he's wonderful. He wants to give us everything. i got to move along. Thessalonians, Paul, Paul is speaking. We were gentle among you even as a nurse, a nurse cherisheth her children. And being affectionately desirous of you. Now, we think of Paul as, you know, he was a woman hater. He was all this. But look at how Paul describes himself. Hey, listen, Moses described himself as the meekest man on the earth. Paul is saying, I was gentle among you as a nurse with her children. I was desirous of you. We were willing to impart unto you not the gospel only but our own souls because you are dear unto us. Paul, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I won't read all of these things, but he, he would just explain, I don't want to put no unnecessary burden on you. I, I don't want to do these things and look how we behaved ourselves. We exhorted you and comforted you and charged you as a father does his children. He's wanting to impart something to them. Now let me just go this a little further. Because Brother Branham would say, the greater works that we have as a church, we have power in the church, not only to heal and sick, cast out devils, but to impart eternal life. Now you can't give eternal life, but you can be a tool that leaves the atmosphere for God to come. And that doesn't have to be in a mission field or witnessing on the street. That can be in your own home. That can be with, with children. It can be in that place the Holy Ghost is given. Unbelievers who are made believers can impart a spiritual life. Paul would say in Romans, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that to the end you may be established. <coughs> Romans, when you go into that, I'm just saying something needs to be imparted. So your children, you're all in a home, you're there for a reason, but there's a, a reason that they're being brought up, something needs to be imparted. So what can you give your children? When they look out in the world and, and, they, and they, you know, you know, you need to, here, let, let, me, let me bring it this way. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and you go into a restaurant and, you know, you have a kid that's screaming and yelling and, and throwing food and, and it's just in the booth next to you? as you're sitting down quietly and a gob of noodle comes across onto your plate? You've never had that? Okay. Well, when it happens, just remember, you heard it here first. Okay, but when that happens, you feel like going over. Listen, we have to be honest, and I have to be honest. You feel like going over there and, and like putting a double and triple mask on that child, and then you feel like telling the parents, Wake up! The problem didn't start when they got to the restaurant. The problem started somewhere else. And, and they should have been taught. You're coming to a restaurant and Brother Ed's going to be there. And he doesn't like that. But they weren't taught correctly. Okay. You've got to be honest, especially in the pulpit. So I was being honest. So anyway, so the values that you walk out of the gate with, they're taught in the home. Okay? So 
Who are your friends going to be? The type of people you should hang with. How far you should go. Those things need to be taught. Those things need to be talked about or an atmosphere where you can talk. You know, uh, what, what, what are you going to do with, with your life? And what are you, you know, what, what are you going to do today? And, you know, there's nothing like covering yourself. And, you know, parents aren't nosy. They're just interested in your well-being. So, so the biggest value you can impart is the Bible, the message. And you can say, that ought to rule above everything. That ought to rule above your friends. That ought to rule above your job and your, your mate and everything. These things need to be departed, imparted. What was Paul giving them? Okay. You also begin to give your children a sense of making decisions. You know, we, we got two cars here. I, I need a car to go to work. There's this one. It's got mag wheels again. Mag wheels. It burns oil. It, it, it's got rust honing off, but it's loud. Or you got this little putt-putt that, that looks really reliable. So you, you, you need to place a sense of value between them. I know this one may esteem to your macho mentality, but this one will get the job done. Okay, I, I need to speak to the men here first. Brothers, uh, the parents first before they can part that. Because I see we haven't passed that right. Okay, good. Are, are you all here today? Listen, I, 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 uh, you also give them, you impart to them the courage and the ability to stand alone. I'll tell you what, nothing, you, you ought never to, you should actually promote an atmosphere where if your child has a need, they should feel free to come up and have prayer. Or they should feel to stand up and say, I need prayer. I need help with this. I think that, that ought to be encouraged because that's a help to their lives. There's also other things. Hard work and responsible diligence. That needs to be encouraged. Handling finances. I'm not going to get into this. Well-exercised playfulness. And I put in brackets, pillow fights. Okay? There's a time for that. You need to laugh. Listen, you, you, you need to stop being so German. <laughs> to the Germans that are here. To the Irish. Okay, just take it easy. You know, just get a little more discipline in your life. Okay, anyway, where this, if there's any Irish. Okay. So there's something that needs to be imparted. Is this okay? i got to move quickly. In the, in the Old Testament, the, the role of the Hebrew father was three things. Was to give their son spiritual instruction, to help them get into an occupation, and to lead them in marriage. Now that doesn't mean you make the choice and you do it, but, but you get them. And now, this doesn't happen all at once. This is a process. This takes time and effort. There's a systematic series of actions that have to come about to bring this to happen. But I'll tell you what, it's good to get advice. It's good for the sisters. I've been talking about the boys a lot. But it's good for the sisters to know how to cook and not the day they come back from their honeymoon calling up mom and wondering, okay, how does this go again? No, it's better that, that that's taught and that's brought into play and, 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 and this is how you do laundry and this is how you do things. And it's better that you learn these things. So that takes time. Okay, 
Verse Timothy 5, if any provide not for his own and especially for his own house, he is denied the faith, he's worse than an infidel. Now sometimes this scripture gets misused because we think, you know, a guy doesn't want to work, he doesn't want to do that. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that, that can't work or don't have work and they're not infidels, okay, because of conditions. So it's, it's a part of it, but to provide. Provide means to perceive, to foresee, to think beforehand, to provide, to take thought, to care for a thing. Sometimes you can detect in your home, okay, there, there's something coming, you know, my, my son, just something's bothering him, I don't know what it is, or my daughter. You ought to stop, take time, and say, okay, there's something going on here. Okay, so you need to provide, you need to do something. You know, and then to deny the faith means to refuse, to not to accept, to reject... That means the same, eh, I got my own things to do. They'll work it out. That's denying the faith. You're in a role for a purpose. You've got to help. You've got to lend a hand. You've got to do something. And to be part of the body, and I'll say, to be part of a family body, but to be part of a church body, we all have a duty. Okay. Proverbs, this is verse 31. I, I, I've spoken, you know, about men. This is King Lemuel, the prophecy his mother taught him. And she says, and she warns him, don't give your strength to women, don't drink wine, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Open your mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause. But then she, the mother breaks into these words, the king rehearses them, but she taught him these things. Who could find a virtuous woman? Her price is above rubies. You know, I, I, this, is, this is good to read every once in a while. Young sisters, mothers, even husbands, this is wonderful. You know, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. He'll have no need of spoil. I'll, I'll read just the yellow. She seeks wool and flax and works with her hands. She's like merchant ship. She goes to Walmart and Superstore and, and Independent and, and all these places, and she brings it and gathers it all in. Okay, just a little thing. She rises while it's yet night and checks the sales flyers. No, it doesn't say that. And gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. I'll tell you what, I, I've learned something over the years. Is I, I can go out, I used to make all decisions, I, I got this, but I value my wife's input more. You know, in, 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 in male things even sometimes. What, what do you think about this carburetor, honey? Should I, should I get it? Oh, I think it's you. Yeah, yeah, it's you. No, that's not what it is, but I, I'm saying there's something we work together. I, I, I actually enjoy it more. You know, she never asked me to go shopping with her and get the groceries, but I like doing that once in a while, get the few things that I never get. <laughs> she lays her staff to the spindle, and her hands hold the distance. Oh, I like this next one, verse 21. She is not afraid of the snow. <laughs> That's a good one. I thought that was really pertinent for today. She's not afraid of the snow. And the sister said, oh, man. The brother said amen before the sisters. She's not afraid of the snow for her household because her husband put new winter tires on the car. And all her household is clothed with scarlet. Her husband, now look at this, her husband is known in the gates. What are we talking about? Guarding the gates. So this whole family contributes to the scene in the gates. In the Old Testament, it was in the gate that Boaz stood and claimed Ruth. It was in the gate that Christ stood for us and claimed us. It's in the gate where the enemy is that Christ makes a declaration. But contributing to this gate is the wife. 
Her husband is known in the gates. He sits among the elders. I'll tell you what, when, when, when a man knows his wife is on his side, I'll tell you what, that empowers him. Amen. Have a great day, honey. I'll be praying. Oh, man, that, that's it. Where's that lion? Well, that gopher, that's te- you know, whatever, you know. That just does it. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she'll rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. She looks well to the ways of her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up, call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain. A woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now look at how this finishes. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. A sister does not need to debate, does not need to argue, does not need to teach doctrine. Her life is an expression in the gates. I'll tell you, that is something that is God-given. And I'll say it's a part of the fabric of a home. It's part of what makes it tick. Thank God for our sisters. I, I, I sometimes, you know, we read quotes, and I, 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 I just need to say, God bless you to all of your, the, the mothers and the sisters, the Sunday school teachers, all of you that do what you do. God bless you. May your works praise you in the gates. Brother Branham says, <coughs> believe in God. If you're an offspring, listen to this. I'll raise my spirit. You know, my spirit will raise the standard. If you're an offspring of God, God is in you. He'll believe his own word. Now listen to this. Though it can't be seen, felt, tasted, or anything, he'll believe it. I love this quote. For God in you will believe his own word. Oh, I just believe that's my place. It's simple. Yeah, that's God doing it. Brother Adam says, don't be afraid to trust God's word. I'm 46 years old. I've never seen a time I was afraid to hang my soul on any phase of God's word. Listen, all hell is against the family. All hell is against these teachings. But I'll say, you can bank on it. You can count on it. It works. It will be the exact thing you need to survive in Laodicea. Now, let me go this a step further. And I'm just going to take the last part of the service on this. We have here not always the perfect family structure. We have some that, that are, are, aren't part of a believing family, if I can say it. And there's others that have separated and are single because they've left their natural family to be a part of the believing family. This, this Brother Harold used this many years ago, and it was a blessing, and I really caught it, and he said it. Peter began to say unto Jesus, Lo, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus said, Verily, there is no man that's left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. So whatever you've had to separate from, here's your reward. But you shall receive a hundredfold. Now look, listen to the knowledge of this. Now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecution sometimes and in the world to come, eternal life. I'll tell you what, I am closer to some brothers and in in, in, in spiritual brothers and sisters than I am sometimes to my own family, my own cousins and all of those. And I say, that's, that's the blessing of God. Amen. And, I, and I, I'll tell you what, I love them. I, I, I love to just get and talk with them and, and talk on the things of God. It's wonderful. 
1 Corinthians 7, 7. I would that all men were even as myself. Every man has his proper gift of God. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they can abide even as I. Paul was single, and, and he says, you know, everybody's got something that, that they go, and, and, and for whatever reason, God knows it best, and God knows the reward, and God knows, you know, there's rewards given to that have done that for the kingdom of God's sake. There's a great reward. Now Paul would also say this, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife that doesn't believe and she be pleased to dwell him, let him not put her away. And the woman that has a husband which believes not and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Now this is, this is amazing to me. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you an example or two. You say, Brother Ed, I come to church. My, my spouse isn't with me. They're never with me. But when you stand here, they, you're standing in the gate for them. You are, by your righteous life, sanctifying their life. That's the Bible. Well, let, let, me, let me go how Brother Ann says it. And he actually goes, says, Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Now, I, I don't know if you can recognize how great this promise is. Brother Branham would say this, the approach to God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thy and thy household shall be saved. That's right. The sanctified wife sanctifies the husband. Live like a Christian. Be like a Christian. Pray all the time. Believe that God is there and is going to answer your prayer. Offer it through the provided approach. That's a promise. Oh, we need to give Ethan give his sword drill again. The promises of God. Listen, it wasn't so. Brother Branham... You know my wife doesn't believe this. Every night, this is actually Brother Ernie Fandler talking to Brother Branham. Brother Ernie, I met him years ago. He's passed on. Brother Branham, you know my wife doesn't believe in this. Every night when I go home, she starts bawling me out when I hit the door. And I get her by the hand and I hold her and I try to cast that devil out as hard as I can. Wow. <laughs> I think we'd leave every service and saying we need to sing the battle hymn of the republic as we walk out the door. His truth is marching on. Go and meet your wife. <laughs> but look at how Brother Branham does this. He said, I tr look, so the man says, Ernie says, I tried to cast that devil out. And I said, devil, you come out of my wife. Devil, you come out of my, honey, you're possessed with a devil. Oh man, that'll go over well. Come out of there, Devil. Wow. But here's what Brother Branham says. Brother Fandler, you're going about it the wrong way. Well, how do you do it? When you come home, buy her a box of candy. Not Weinbrand Bonen. That's those liquor-filled ones. Don't do those. Give it to her when you come in at the door. Put your arms around her. That's the way you cast out a devil. Wow. Love casts out fear, doesn't it, love? Friends, the whole world is dying for love. That's one of the greatest things that we leave out of our Pentecostal blessing. It makes all things operate, the love for one another. 
Listen, this is a promise. We can speak in the gate of the enemy, and we can do it, and God can back us up. Let's read another one. One time there was a story, a bunch of drunks, they were arguing there's no Christianity. One man said, I know where there's one at. And he says, well, I don't believe it. They said, oh, come on. Let's go to my house. We'll act like we're drunk. May as well just get drunk and do it. Don't even act like it. So they went up to the house, and they went, and she cooked them some eggs. And then when she cooked them the eggs, they threw it on the floor. You know better than to cook my eggs like that. Carried on in the house, and they went over in the other room and fell down in the chair. And they heard somebody in the other room say, sweeping it up, saying, singing a little song. And that song was, must Jesus bear the cross alone? Must all the world go free? There's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. Is this consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free? And then I'll go home a crown to wear. And they're hearing this singing. And about that time, one of the drunks says, See, I told you. Now they actually believed it more than they acted like. She is a Christian. Friends, let her, gate, let her works praise her in the gates. In the company of the enemy, your life can put everything. A soft answer turns away wrath. A Christian spirit can break any demon spirit. The spirit of Christ is greater. i got to move quickly here. Brother Branham, I've accepted God's message. We both have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. My husband hasn't accepted the message And he is fighting this message. He's influenced our son. He's taken him to a Methodist church. He wants me to go with him to church when we're not in service here at the tabernacle. Would it be right for me to go with him or to better to stay out of that denomination? Well, that's a question that could be asked even today. Now, dear sister, she never signed her name. If you don't, you'll hear it on tape. Go with your husband. Don't be partakers of what they're doing. You're supposed to love your husband, and love is what does it. You just be real salty. He'll get thirsty if there's anything in him. Oh, the world is dying for this. Dying for this. And friends, we don't need to do it out there. We need to do it in here sometimes with one another. Don't join it. Go to it. If you can't get a whole loaf, get a half. But that's the way you'll win your husband by doing that. Don't be arrogant. Then you'll know he's got just as much as you have. See, when you can, when you can show something that he don't have or don't have, that'll make him thirst to be like you. I grew up many years. I didn't have a believing father. He was in a denominational world. I'd get together. We'd, you know, I, I'd try to do what I could to honor my father and do whatever I could. Sometimes he just wanted to argue about things and you know, that kind of passed over time, but I kind of, as his health failed and as things, I helped him with his groceries, did different things. Finally, he got sick, and he was almost on his deathbed. He was in the hospital, and we had, God just did a miraculous work for him in the end. But I remember walking into a room on a Friday morning, two days after we had prayer at church on Wednesday night, about my father, who I never mentioned much. And I walked in the room, And his mind was as clear as a bell. And he looked at me and he said, Ed, you're as good as gold. I don't understand what you're believing, but you keep doing it. It's the right thing. How did that happen? That was years and years and years of just being a son to my father. 
not trying to preach to him, but walking in the position I was to him. Whatever position you are, if you're a, a, a husband to an unbeliever or one that doesn't see it, just keep being a husband. Don't try to be a preacher. You want to, if it's a wife, just don't try and preach. Just be a wife to him. You don't know where this will turn. You don't know how your life is doing it. Listen, I'm just about winding down. If the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage. You know, you, you can't save your husband. You can't save your wife as God's distributed to every man. Listen, let me finish with this quote. This is the last one. Oh, the resurrection means a lot to me. That great crowning hour. Then we'll understand and we'll remember our acquaintances. Now, this is a message Mother's Day. Now, listen, listen to how Brother Branham says this. There will be many there we didn't even think were there. You know, it's at that time that I believe the bread that we have cast on the human troubled waters will return to us at that day. When we see the effects of our testimony on people that we didn't understand their action towards it, we'll probably be there. Can you understand that? But I believe it. He'll say this, what a day that will be. The seeds that we sowed, not even thinking what they would do, and here they are. They brought forth precious fruits. We'll see them on that day, the wayward loved ones and relatives. That ought to give you faith. As the musicians come, that ought to give you faith for where you're walking, for how you walk and how you live. I'll say this, whatever you're in, if you're in a family, you're that, I think we need to renew what we've done. How, how are we going to do great exploits until we have a proper foundation? Listen, let's stand together. I'd like us to commit ourselves to God. I'd like us to renew what we do when we go to our homes. I'd like us to renew what we do to our lost loved ones. I'd like to say, Lord, give me a little bit more of Jesus. Give me your love. Give me what, what I need. You know, one of the greatest exploits that ever was in the Bible, there's only one verse written about him, and it's Shamgar. And Brother Adam would talk about Shamgar. I think there's 50 quotes on Shamgar. And he says, I would like to meet Shamgar when I go to the other side. And he would talk about Shamgar, and he would say, Shamgar wasn't a warrior. He wasn't anything. But here come 600 Philistines, and they were marching on his field. He had raised that field. That field was going to provide food for his family. That was going to provide food for his children. And he says, here comes these Philistines. They were going to come, and in a few minutes... All the wheat would be gone. All the oats would be gone. Everything would be gone. His family would be starved. And all of a sudden, God began to move on him. And he began to get angry. I'm an Israelite. I'm circumcised to God. That's an uncircumcised Philistines. I'm not a soldier. And actually, Brother Branham would go in another message, and he would talk about it. And I can see Shamgar standing there. And he hears these noise. These Philistines, tromp, 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 tromp. And he's coming to take it away. And then he 
sees the Philistines, and then he looked back there, and he saw his wife, his poor little wife, her sunken in face, his little children. Their sleeves were ragged. Their clothes were gone. His wife was starved to death, and he's thinking, what will winter be? Shamgar wasn't doing this to be a great man, but something kicked in. He looked at the Philistines, and he looked back at his family. And he looked at the Philistines. He looked at his family and they got bigger in his eyes. And those Philistines got smaller. And he said, hold on a second. I'm in the gate of hell at Laodicea. And I'm a Christian. And I'm going to speak in the gate. I'm going to take ownership in the gate. I'm going to claim my family. Friends, we are Shamgars in Laodicea. I think we ought to have enough love and compassion that we would say, I'm claiming it. I'm not accepting what the devil does. And Shamgar would look this way and he'd look this way. And then without thinking, he grabbed his ox goat. And 600 Philistines later, and Shamgar stands in God's record book. Where did it start? When he looked at his family. Friends, you've got to look at your family. And say, I've been given this duty. I've been given it. How many will say, I'm going to stand for what God has given me to do? Let's, let's not just make this a show. Let's right now purpose. You've got changes politically. You've got changes in laws, in moralities. There's more influences coming. You might say, I made mistakes. I got an unbelieving I, a wife or spouse or children. That doesn't mean a thing. I've shared some promises of God tonight. And I think we need to reach out and seize them. I think, I'll just say, there's a few brothers. We've, we've gathered together in prayer. And I'll tell you what, God has just come in a spirit sometimes, and there's a calling out for what we're witnessing in young people's meetings, what we're seeing in homes and in families. And I believe that if more of us get on board, that can be in your home, that can be in whatever way you are, but I believe we'll see more of God because He's our Father, and we're His children. And I say we need to seize it. I'm... Listen, this, this home, this token, this gate is in my charge. And I'm saying, I'm going to take footsteps. I'm going to put my voice out. All of hell may be there, but I'm going to march against it. Let's just sing... I have a father, I have a maker. I have a friend <coughs> before my
There's much we could say about all these things. But I say, let's consecrate ourselves to God. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. And we thank you for your word that is sure and steadfast and the everlasting hands and the spirit of the Father that dwells in you, your children. Grant it tonight, Lord. Bless us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Why don't we sing, I want to live the way he wants me to live. <laughs> I want to live.